I'm Autumn Lockett. And this is Mitch Randall. And you're listening to Good Faith Weekly. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, Autumn and I are going to catch up. I am remoting in this week all the way from Hanover, New Hampshire. and tell you all about that here in just a second. But uh, we've got a great show. Autumn and I are going to talk about Easter after this two-year pandemic. Uh, congregations are meeting in person to celebrate Easter morning. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of Easter, what it means to us, and what we're looking forward to this Easter Sunday. And then later on the pod, I had the privilege of sitting down with one of GFM's governing board members, Dr. Corey Jones. Dr. Jones has a brand new book out called Greater, and we talk about why he wrote the book and its contents. It's a great discussion. So you want to stay tuned. It's going to be a good episode. Rainforest, volcanoes, coastlines with crystal blue water, fresh fruit and seafood. Join Good Faith Media for an immersive experience on Hawaii's Big Island. Discover brilliant night skies with our friend, astrophysicist Paul Wallace. Explore and have fun with your small group of adventurers. Join us May 21st through the 28th. Learn more at faithexperiences.org. Autumn, it's good to hear your voice. I may sound a little far away today because, uh, you know, I am remoting in all the way from the northeast in Hanover, New Hampshire. I know. I think we should probably just start telling people when you are home recording as much as you've been on the road. What do you tell the crowd what you're doing in Hanover? Yeah, this is uh, not for work, uh, even though I've been working while I've been here uh, on this trip. But uh, my youngest son, who is a junior at Dartmouth College uh, here in Hanover, uh, we got word a couple of months ago that he had uh, impacted wisdom teeth. So uh, those got infected, and so we had to get him into an oral surgeon really quickly and get those suckers extracted. And so that was done this morning, and he is up resting in our Airbnb. And so, you know, he needed mom and dad here to kind of comfort him during this uh, this time. That is so darling. I remember having my wisdom teeth taken out, and it was horrendous. So I hope him a speedy and healthy recovery. Well, thanks. So he's doing really well. He uh, came out of surgery just fine, and uh, like I said, he's up there resting. But uh, he is starting to bellow a request from his uh-huh. mother. So that's Ice cream. <laughs> that's right. We've taken that as a good sign. So, uh, Well, Autumn, it is Holy Week. Uh, what's going on in the Lockett House during Holy Week? Um, it's basically just Easter eggs and chocolate bunnies around here. We, um, speaking of, you know, the pandemic in your intro, it was the first time I could attend my kids' Easter parties in two years. And so I, I took the morning and, and went, hid Easter eggs and wore, you know, construction paper, Easter, Easter egg, um, headbands, and which is good to see the kids and be in the sunshine again. That is hard to believe. I mean, uh, just two years. And I think of your kids and how much they've grown up. Just yeah. These, these last two years, but it was two years ago that many parents were the last time they went in and, and celebrated Easter, uh, you know, with family and friends and with, uh, with school kids uh, across the country. Uh, really amazing. It's been two years. What have you missed more than anything during the pandemic when it has to do with, with Easter? 
I mean, I think it's just one of those sort of sweet parties with the kids and getting to see them. You know, usually around the Christmas parties, things are still pretty new. They just started school. But by Easter, they're comfortable with their friends and with their teachers and just seeing your kids in that sort of landscape. And it was the first time my um, my youngest son is six, and it was the first time I'd met several of the parents of his best friends. It's just crazy because usually we we would have had play dates and done all of this stuff, but the pandemic has really changed parenting. Yeah, no, absolutely, no doubt about that. So, I want you to tell me a secret. It's just between you and me. That's it. Nobody else. Is okay. It's just you and me. So- is the Easter Bunny real? He's <laughs> best friends with a tooth fairy, who is also a frequent flyer at our house. <laughs> Uh, well, that is a given. Here's my okay. question. During the pandemic, on Easter Sunday, did you put on an Easter dress? <laughs> so the first the first Easter of the pandemic, I did not. I wore sweatpants and a sweatshirt, and, and we tuned into our church via Zoom. I did get the kids all dressed up because I buy their Easter clothes way in advance, and I had them before March 13th when the world shut down. But they wore their pajama pants underneath because it was chilly. And we have some pictures of that day, and it's just so weird. I, th- I think Jesus, you know, on resurrection morning, that first Easter, I think he could have been in sweatpants, you know, in a t-shirt. Yes. I mean, we're told that the, you know, the tunic was, you know, folded up nicely in the corner there. So, you know, he was either walking around without very many clothes on whatsoever or. You know, Jerusalem <laughs> chic, right? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> I love that. Jerusalem chic. Uh, well, great. Well. This is Holy Week. Uh, lots going on. Uh, Palm Sunday, of course, last Sunday. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, Thursday. My article today is about Monday, Thursday, and, and my take on uh, what today means to me. You know, as a Jesus follower, uh, you know, Good Friday, Easter morning have always been central to my worship experience during Holy Week. But as I've grown older, Monday, Thursday, Holy Thursday, has become more and more important to me as I understand the ministry, the theology, and the mission of Jesus as a social revolutionary. And I think a lot of times Easter, Good Friday and Easter have been so spiritualized, and and I don't want to take away from that whatsoever because I believe in all of it and I soak every bit of it up. But there's also a reality that sometimes get lost, gets lost in that uh, spiritualization, and that is the fact that Jesus was executed by the state and why he was executed by the state. Um, they were terrified of him, of the potential of what he could have done if he went and chose another path. Jesus, throughout his ministry to the very last moment, chose a path of nonviolent revolt. His predecessors, who were wannabe messiahs, always chose a military or violent type of revolt as they tried to overturn Rome and those in authority and kick them out. But Jesus, while he was just as frustrated as anybody about what was going on, not only in the empire, but also in the temple, he did so in a nonviolent way, and it was nonviolent resistance. And it's on Thursday night in the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what my article talks about, for me is the apex of the entire gospel story. Because you have Judas, who has betrayed Jesus. But in my interpretation of the story, Judas is 
actually trying to force Jesus' hand into a violent confrontation with authorities. And so he brings the soldiers to the garden and everybody is waiting to see if everything that Jesus had said and everything that he had done was real or not. And there's that moment and the soldiers come and they reach out to arrest him and Peter draws his sword and cuts off the ear of one of the servants there. And everybody looks at Jesus and it's high mm-hmm. drama. Mm-hmm. And instead of Jesus giving the order to attack, he simply walks over to the man and heals him. And at that moment, everybody realizes he meant, he meant exactly what he was saying. Yep. And the disciples, his best friends who'd been with him for three years, those who had partied with him, those who had drank with him, those who had seen him do miracles and minister to the poor and the needy and welcome the marginalized, all of them flee and run because they're terrified that they too are going to die. Mm-hmm. And it's just the apex of the story on Monday, Thursday. And so it still just gives me chills. I wrote about it in my article this week. And so uh, for our listeners, uh, give it a read. It's at uh, goodfaithmedia.org uh, under uh, my latest uh, offering to our website. But uh, uh, Monday, Thursday has always been special to me. Do you feel like we're sort of um, the Christian faith is sort of being led by Peters right now? Um, it is. I always want to say that those who lean towards that persuasion of violent uprising and violent rhetoric, there's no doubt the rhetoric from the religious right and for those who hold to the position of Christian nationalism, even if they deny that fact, they are Christian nationalists. They, in my opinion, are attempting to lead Christianity. Uh And in a very real sense, they are. But I never want to take away the possibility for voices like ours at Good Faith Media and our partnering organizations and the good men and women out there across the ecumenical landscape and interfaith landscape to suggest that we're going to allow that to happen. We have to rise up and offer an alternative voice. And you are one of the most brilliant people in talking about that alternative voice, its need and how we do such things. Yeah, I think I just think it's really interesting that I feel like we're living in a moment in time when the Peters have the microphone. And, you know, when you look at Peter, um, he wasn't the super academic guy. He didn't he wasn't studying at the Holy Temple. He was sort of the raucous one of the group. Right. I mean, I didn't go to seminary. I'm also can be sort of a Peter. But he, he was he was the one that was that was sort of shifty and you know he could use his powers for good but he could also use his powers uh not for good and jesus still chose him yeah. right jesus exactly. was still able to use him but he had to make the right choices for peter and that's what we see with actually with in all the disciples simon peter is certainly the leader and the one who often leaps without looking uh you know a la the uh the, the storm narrative when he jumps out of the boat. Yeah, uh, he's, yeah. He's constantly doing that. But we also have Judas, uh, who gets lumped in as the betrayer, and, and rightly so. But his mindset was he was trying to let, he was trying to make Jesus fit into his own narrative. But we also see that with James and John uh, and others who, you know, are, are arguing about who's going to receive the greatest place in Jesus' kingdom. 
um, this was a constant within the conversation of the disciples because they misunderstood, they truly misunderstood the mission of Jesus and what he was attempting to do while on this world, that he was truly trying to usher in Yahweh's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven where love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and justice is all wrapped up in this new way of living. Mm-hmm. And they just totally missed it because they were all dead set on uh, basically power. On power. That's exactly yeah. exactly. yeah. And I think there's a lot of that now, too. You know, it's hard to have your faith when it's not the constitutional majority, when it's not, you know, and it's and it's the sort of feening of being the person on on the the victim side of things when really you're the aggressor. And that's why I think it's just so important to constantly be checking in with what was Jesus doing? Am I am I patterning my life and my sort of goals after him? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this, I mean, this week just means so much to me. Uh, uh, Monday, Thursday, Holy Thursday is, is uh, the highlight for me personally. But, I mean, you can't, you can't help but just shed tears on Good Friday as you think about the, uh, the death and execution and crucifixion of Jesus and, and what he went through. But uh, as our good friend Tony Campello says, that Sunday is always coming. Right. But you have to have Thursday night and Friday to have Sunday. You just do. You can't rush past it. You you got got to to, to work through and understand the heaviness and why uh, resurrection morning is so important and so joyful. Why there is hope. It is because ultimate justice was rendered not by man, but by God. Mm -hmm. And God is the actor in that formula and he distributed grace and mercy and justice even though we were guilty mm-hmm. uh, he, he it's it just it's, it's a beautiful story and, and we continue to celebrate it so easter sunday is this sunday as i said um what are you and your family going to be doing this easter well, we will go to church. We will put on our clothes and we'll get extra spiffy. The boys have haircuts today to make sure that we're not looking like wild boys going to ch- church. And uh, we will celebrate, um, you know, Jesus, the risen Savior, on Sunday morning at church. And then we will come home and I typically make Greek food because that just feels Eastery to me. <laughs> it does. Well, I like that a lot. Well, that sounds like a, a wonderful and, and lovely Sunday. Hey, Autumn, why don't we extend a challenge to our listeners uh, this week? Um, since this is going to be the first Easter morning that many of us have celebrated in person in our uh, congregations, why don't we take a picture of ourselves or take a picture of our families or just take a picture of something within the worship service that morning. It could be a sunrise service. It could be on your way to Easter morning services, or it could be something within the service. Take a photo Sunday morning and post it. Tag us at uh, hashtag GFmediaorg, or you can add us at GFmediaorg, and it will show up on our Facebook page or our Twitter handle. Uh, but let's let's take a look and let's celebrate this Easter morning like we haven't been able to celebrate in a few years because we have all been 
uh, inside the tomb, so to speak. Right? <laughs> now we finally Up from forward. the grave we arose, you, right? Would you like to sing the first stanza, Autumn? I'm a little bit asthmatic from this wind. Otherwise, I absolutely would. Yes. Well, my Easter challenge was going to have something to do with Cadbury eggs. Yours is way better than mine. <laughs> I don't know. This is the first time we were talking about it on the plane up here to New England. And we're staying the weekend to make sure our son recovers uh, properly. But, yeah, that day four and five is tricky with wisdom teeth. Woo! This is the first time in 15 years that we will have celebrated Easter in another <laughs> structure other than North Haven Church in Norman, Oklahoma, where I have pastored and where we currently are members. Um, it's really interesting, and it's going to be the, the first kind of Easter for me where I have not been the leader of worship or in a congregation that I have led. So, you know, we're, we're actually not in Hanover, per se. In fact, we're just across the river in Vermont. We're in Bernie country. <laughs> okay. And so we're in this beautiful, cute little, uh, quaint uh, little town in Vermont. Uh, but just down the street, there's a few churches uh, that are walking distance. And I'm going to walk. Uh, Missy and I, I think, are going to walk down there Sunday morning and celebrate. You're going to just warm a pew on Easter Sunday? Yes, absolutely. What feel, All right. Here's, here's what I feel really bad about. You know that we're going to walk in, and the pastor's going to be so excited to this new family. <laughs> so you're there to worship. It's like, wah, wah, wah. Well, I'm going to start praying right now that the Lord's going to turn your heart that morning. You're going to finally get right with Jesus on Easter Sunday, 2022. Boy, there's a lot of people out there that are listening to this podcast right now that are saying, amen, Autumn. He definitely. <laughs> They've been praying for you for a while. For a while, that's exactly right. Uh huh. Uh, Well, Autumn, you were away earlier this week, and so I had the distinct privilege of sitting down with one of our board members, Dr. Corey Jones. Dr. Jones has a brand new book out uh, this year called Greater, and it's based upon a sermon series that he did a few years back. That he was inspired by this series on a trip to Ghana, West Africa. And it's a wonderful backstory that he talks about. But then the inspiration uh, within the message of being greater is outstanding. And he and I talk about a couple of principles that are outlined in the book. And Dr. Jones is just fabulous. I mean, just, just a wonderful human being, great pastor, phenomenal preacher, and recently a new dad. I was going to say, and has the cutest baby, the end. <laughs> and he, he brags a little bit about that baby uh, in the interview. So. Rightfully so. Absolutely. So, Autumn, appreciate uh, you uh, letting me phone in uh, this, uh, this episode. And I uh, uh, hope you and your family have a very happy Easter and look forward to be back in Norman uh, in a couple of days. Yes, we, we will hold the fort down here literally because the wind is just blowing in like a 60 mile an hour constant gust for like seven days now. So I'll hold the fort down while you and Missy fly back home. Thanks. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, can't wait to be back home and, and see everybody. Well, stay tuned. I'm going to talk to Dr. Corey Jones. We're going to talk about his new book, Greater. Stay tuned. Marvel at Pacific Coast Wells. Wonder in rainforests. Explore wild coastlands and towering cliffs. Join Good Faith Media for a unique and immersive experience in the Pacific Northwest and Olympic National Park. Enjoy engaging conversation with your small group of adventurers led by our team, which includes a journalist, historian, 
and theologian. Join us July the 23rd through 30th. Learn more at faithexperiences.org. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly, and on this episode, we've got a very special guest with us all the way from New Jersey. Pastor Corey Jones is a Los Angeles, California native. He graduated with a Bachelor's of Arts from the University of California, Berkeley, a Master's of Divinity from the Morehouse School of Religion at the Interdenominational Theological Center, and a Doctorate of Ministry from Beeson Divinity School at Sanford University. He's currently working on his Ph.D. in Marriage and Family Therapy from Eastern University. Pastor Corey Jones is currently the senior pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church in Burlington, New Jersey. He also serves on the board of directors for Good Faith Media and the Lot Carry Foreign Mission Society. He is married to Deborah Jones and is a proud father of Dakota and Corey Jr., affectionately known as C.J., Corey, welcome to Good Faith Weekly. Uh, thank you, Mitch. It's, it's a joy to be here. Well, Corey, you've got a brand new book out in the market called Greater, There is More to, uh, more to Your Life Than This. And we're going to yes. get to that really quickly. But I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you from the get-go. First of all, what's it like being a dad for the second time? Congratulations on the birth Man, of CJ. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, he is three months old. He is just a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm getting used to, you know, the the interruptions during the night again. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, so I'm sorry. The, the, the audience can't see this right now, but uh, uh, Corey and I are, are, are recording this over Zoom, and I'm here to tell you, audience, he looks really good for a dad who's parenting <laughs> a three-month-old. So, you know, I don't know if uh, you know Deborah's letting you sleep at night or what's going on, but you're looking really spry, my friend. Man, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, a few few bags here and there, but my my wife is a soldier. She is absolutely awesome and she you know partners with me to really try our best to be um good parents for cj but she she's just amazing she's an amazing mother and so uh yeah last night was actually her night um for for taking care of most of the at night duties so uh, right, sure, if, sure. if if i look a little more refreshed it is because of her <laughs> <laughs> well that's great well congratulations uh we've been uh, watching uh little cj grow up over the last three months uh, on yeah. facebook you post all these great pictures on instagram and facebook and so he is absolutely perfect so congratulations to you and Deborah. Oh, thank you and uh, thank what, a, you, what a beautiful family you've got Thank you. I appreciate that. And the other question really isn't a question as much as it is a statement. And that is, Corey, you just had a very important anniversary at Tabernacle. Congratulations, my friend. Uh, Tell us about the celebration. Uh, Thank you, man. It's nine years at my church and it's it's been uh, uh, quite a ride because, as you know, I'm a Californian. Sure. And okay. so, you know, I go from We're not going to we're not going to bring up the Lakers right now, but go ahead, my friend. <laughs> you know, that's the, <laughs> hey, we we we're, we're supposed to be on good terms. Let's let's, let's 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 do right now. Okay, okay. Let's, I, let's I repent. <laughs> I repent. <laughs> I need that greater forgiveness that you talk about in your book. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got to we got to do that. And greater repentance. That's we right, got right. There you go. Right. A little bit better. But uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, being a Californian and uh, from Southern to Northern to to Georgia, Mm -hmm. and then hearing God's voice to go to New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And out of 
over 200 or 250 candidates um, that I was the one that was chosen chosen with with no senior pastor experience. Right. Um, that it's just been an amazing journey um, of this marriage with with pastor and people, and and we didn't do a, a whole lot. Um, because next year is is actually ten years of me being there and sure. one hundred years of existence for the church. Wow, that's happening so, simultaneously. That's the exciting. same same year, and so we decided that we would just kind of, you know, have a have a small recognition of of it all, sure. but um, really kind of just prepare ourselves for twenty twenty three and let that be the basically the year of celebration. Right, right. And and so we we had a couple of services worship services where uh, two of my favorite preachers came uh, on Sunday, Eustacia um, Moffitt Marshall. Uh, she's just an outstanding uh, pastor mm -hmm. and just, just a scholar, mm -hmm. a scholar. And she, she's amazing. That's awesome. And then Dr. Wayne Croft came, who is um, a pastor of St. Paul's uh, uh, church in, in PA and also a professor at Lutheran seminary. And uh, we just, we just worship together. Mm -hmm. As, as a church family. That was our celebration. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations both on the birth of your son and your anniversary, and I'm going to put it on my calendar. Uh, I've been wanting to come up to Burlington for a long time. I was supposed to come up a few weeks ago. My trip got canceled, but uh, boy, 10 years and 100 years for the congregation, that sounds like a party I don't want to miss. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a big <laughs> celebration. We're, we're, hey man, we're planning for it now. <laughs> That's great. We have our committees and teams ready now, and we're, we're getting ready to celebrate. That's awesome. Well, speaking of celebrations, you have a brand new book out called Greater. There is more to your life than this. And I've yeah. been working through it uh, over the last couple of days in preparation for the interview. And it's just outstanding, Cora. You've done a great job articulating this idea of being greater or assuming this greater uh, position when it comes to your faith and how to practice your faith. Uh, and, and so before we get into the details of the book, um, I'm really fascinated and was really inspired about how this idea got lodged into your brain and embedded into your soul. You were on a trip to Accra, Ghana. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I am on the plane, Delta Airlines, JFK, getting ready to go across the Atlantic. And um, when I take long trips, um, yeah, I just it's something I do. I pause and I'll do a quick devotional. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll say a prayer, ask the Lord for safe travel, and um, and I go from there. Mm -hmm. And so I did that, and I just happened to fall on a passage of scripture that talked about greater. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, okay, that's a wonderful start to, to the, to the day, to the trip. Yeah, it should yeah, be good, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. greater. Okay. Sounds good. Closed up my devotional, uh, and enjoyed the, I guess, 10 hour or so flight. Mm -hmm. Um, I got off the plane. I turned my phone back on. Um, I checked my, my, my messages and it was from one of the messages was, was from one of my best friends, uh, pastor Olin Blash in, in, in Atlanta. And he said, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't get catch you before you left, but, uh, praying you have safe travel, uh, and, and be greater. Mm -hmm. I said, wow, that's interesting. He encourages <laughs> me to be greater. Right, and right, right. I just read that before I 
Oh, okay. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, <laughs> yeah something's going on. <laughs> you know, hey, good, good message. Right, sure. I, I get off the plane. I go to baggage claim. And anyone who's been to, to Africa, especially like in, in Ghana, um, you see it's similar to here, but like a lot of the advertisements mm-hmm. are like church stuff. Yeah. Like conferences, attend this church, come here, come there. There's no greater experience than driving through Accra or Kumasi or Tamale, uh, really anywhere in Ghana, because everything is named after biblical characters or biblical ideas. There is, you know, you know, bless your heart, uh, hair salon. There's, there's, there's just, there's all kinds of, glory to God, barbershop. Yeah, it's really, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's wonderful. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so so it's that kind of feel. Mm-hmm. And so I get to baggage claim, and then it's this big advertisement on the wall right. that says um, the greater than conference. Mm-hmm. Wow. Greater works. Sure. I'm sorry, that's what it was. It was greater, greater works. works. Yeah. And I said, oh, my goodness. I said, okay. Okay, God. <laughs> All right. Stop pushing. I Stop pushing. I, I get it. <laughs> The devotional was greater before I left. My boy texted me and said, be greater. And now there's this greater works uh, billboard or or advertisement on the wall. Right. I get it. There's something that's going on that you want me to get. Sure. And I use that trip to help me discern. Hmm. And in particular, there were some pastors there um, that I love dearly. And they took me to a place they called The Shed. Yeah. And the shed was like, I mean, it's outside. It's it's literally just a roof. I mean, wh- when you hear that, being a kid from the South, like, uh, you know, I am, and you spent some time in Atlanta, when you hear the term, we're going to take you to the shed, that's never a good thing. That's never <laughs> a good thing. Yeah, that's the woodshed, baby. That's right. <laughs> but, yeah, that's but this not is not thing. a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. They took me to the shed. They said, we want to pray. And I said, okay. Um, how long are we going to pray? And they said, as long as it takes. Mm. And I said, okay, interesting. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have prayer meetings, 45 minutes, an hour, you know, what is this going to be? We were under that shed for about three or four hours mm. and praying and singing. And they, they stood there. They, they didn't sit down. They put a, a chair in the middle of their circle and they told me to sit there and they prayed for me, my church, my family. They called on God for ministry for about three or four hours under that shed. And it was pouring rain. Mm-hmm. I mean, all thunder, lightning, all of that while we're under this shed. Wow. And it was so it was it was so symbolic of life that chaos was around us with water and flooding and thunder and lightning, but we're under this shed protected and praying. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just such a powerful experience. And I knew that something greater something, yeah. had to come. That's exactly right. So you had this experience in Ghana, you get back home and you develop a, a not a, necessarily a sermon series, I don't believe, but this concept of being greater uh, started to flood your preaching uh, back, uh, you know, a few years ago. So uh, is that how the idea for the book began to germinate? You had the experience yeah. in Ghana, and then you're preaching. Yeah, absolutely. And and our 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 vision, our theme at Tabernacle for 2019 was greater. Mm-hmm. 
And it, it was in my heart. I said, okay, this can't just be personal for Corey Jones. This has to be what Corey Jones touches right. and impacts on a daily, weekly basis, which is, of course, my church. Yeah. And so we committed ourselves to being greater in every area. And that's what we did for that entire year. We preached sermons. Every sermon had a greater or greater than title yeah. emphasis for the entire year. And in the book you mentioned, this is in the introduction part, in that uh, year where this theme of greater continued to resurface, uh, not only in your preaching, but in congregational life, there was a moment when one of your mentors uh, approached you, and she expressed that you had reached a point in your life where you had blood on your preaching. Mm -hmm. Explain to the audience what that means, because I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, she said she came, I was preaching in Atlanta, and she came to hear me preach. And she took me to the side and she said, there's blood on your preaching now. She said, you didn't have that before. And what she meant was that life had beaten me up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I had been challenged in ways that I had never been challenged before. I faced public scrutiny. Mm -hmm. Um, I faced unwarranted criticism and judgment. Um, and, uh, I was bashed publicly and all of these things that, that, that happened to me. And so now, um, we have a saying in, in the preacher world. Now I'm not preaching what I heard. I'm preaching what I know. Ooh, Ooh, that's powerful. Mm. And so there was now blood on it because I'd been, I'd been crucified, mm-hmm. uh, not in, not in a biblical sense, not in a Jesus Christ sense, sure. but, but life had, had had pierced me and blood was shed. And now the ministry of Jesus Christ, the ministry of the word uh, was able to touch me in, in a way where now that blood from experience combined with the the knowledge of the word comes out in the preaching moment. And and now there's blood on that preaching and people are touched in a different way. Yeah. And that and that leads me to the first chapter, and we're going to talk about the first two chapters. We're not going to talk about the entire book because the reality is we want you to log off of this podcast, go to <laughs> Amazon, and purchase the book right now. It's uh, greater. There's more to your life than this by Dr. Corey Jones. But that moment in your life leads to the first chapter about greater peace. Actually, the first two chapters. There's a part mm-hmm. one and part two uh, about greater peace. And Corey, we are standing at a very important time in history. Mm-hmm. You are one of our board members. You're a good friend and colleague of mine. We have talked over the last several years about what the country, what the church has gone through. And it's been a very, very difficult time not only a global pandemic uh, descended upon us, but then that pandemic became very politicized and divided Mm -hmm. many churches. The vaccine rollout was also political and divided, and there were uh, concerns about uh, its validity early on, especially among minority communities because of the history of abuses from the medical community. And then on top of that, we've had these political divisions that were just amplified during the rise of Donald Trump and his presidency. 
And then we had the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many others that sparked that incredible uh, racial justice uh, march in the summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. The church, the country, individuals have all been through a lot. And you opened the book up about talking about peace. Yeah. How can we reach that greater peace in the midst of everything we've gone through as a people? Absolutely. You know, Mitch, that, that, um, those two messages, um, you're talking about Psalm four Mm -hmm. and, um, Psalm four has a very special place in my heart because, um, I'm someone who throughout the years has struggled with insomnia. Mm -hmm. So I may, I may go to sleep and then I'm up. Right. And can't cannot sleep for the life of me. Mm-hmm. And so that passage says, I will lay down and I will go to sleep. And I said, wow, what peace where your mind is not racing, where you're not overwhelmed with life's circumstances, where your trust is so solid and um so strong in God that I can sleep just as a baby sleeps mm. without any cares in this world. And, and so those two chapters are basically, how do I get to that point? Yeah. How do I get to that point? And what was interesting, the, the text you brought up talking also about in the midst of these circumstances where we feel everything's out of control, that sometimes an appropriate reaction is anger. Yeah. And to deal with that honestly and openly and don't let it fester, because if you deal with anger appropriately and channel that appropriately, it can lead to peace. Yeah. Let's talk about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, you know, we know that that passage basically from Ephesians, um, be angry and do not sin. Right. Um, but that comes actually from Psalm 4. Um, there, there, it, the scriptures never say, don't be angry. It says, do not be angry, but don't sin. So that leads me to, to have some freedom mm-hmm. to be emotional, to be angry, but still manage that in such a way where I can sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Right. So because, because if I don't, if I don't address the anger, mm-hmm. If I don't address the emotions, then it festers and it stays with me mm-hmm. and I'll never have peace. But if I can deal with the anger, um, I'll, I'll never forget Mitch. And this is not in the book, but it's just it's, it's something that that um, there are two two times I really did not sleep. Um, one was in, in 2016 during the convention seasons with the Republican and, and Democratic National Conventions. Right. I did not sleep well. Mm-hmm. Because I said, goodness, our world is completely screwed up. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have these two candidates that are that are completely screwed up. Mm-hmm. And one of the screwed up candidates is going to win. And they're going to exacerbate whatever screwed up problems we have. Right. And then the night of the election, I didn't sleep well. Mm-hmm. Because I said, okay this is just not going to be good. Mm-hmm. 
And so the, those words are really powerful, greater peace, because it's like, okay, I have to be, I have to be, uh, I have to be, have, have, have enough of a sound mind mm -hmm. to say, okay, I'm angry about the conditions. I'm angry about our, 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 our choices, our, 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 uh, our alternatives, mm -hmm. but I can't let that rob me of my rest. And so at some point, I have to get to a place through the joy of the Lord, through my worship, through my prayer, through my faith, to process that anger and to say, all will still be well. Right. It's, it's a process. It is a process. And, and that was beautifully the way you articulated that, because, you know, our initial reactions, why those are raw, why those are honest, it's how we process those reactions because yeah. I mean, we, we've seen them, they can, they can be harnessed and uh, channeled to do some very destructive things in this world. But as you have lined out uh, in your book beautifully, and just as, as you articulated a while ago, uh, if you're able to, to, to lean into this divine process of God, that it can be used to bring about peace for your life, which mm -hmm. in turn will bring peace to community and hopefully peace to this world. It is the ultimate shalom that I guess we're all looking uh, to, yeah. to, to, to find and to practice. So, Absolutely. So, so I appreciated that those first couple of chapters about peace. That was really great. Now, this, the third chapter, which is the second uh, topic in the book, is about forgiveness. And this was a hard one, Corey. I mean, this was a difficult one because you start talking about uh, the the murder of uh, uh, Mr. Gene, um, Botham Gene? Yeah, yeah Botham Gene. Yeah, mm -hmm. Botham Gene from Dallas, uh, where an off-duty police officer walks into his apartment, mistakenly taking it as her apartment, and, and ends up shooting uh, Mr. Gene and killing him. And you talk about the moment after her conviction about what uh, Botham's brother said to that convicted uh, uh, murderer. And it was powerful. And, but you are honest in that chapter about how difficult it is to get to that point and the process of getting to forgiveness and what forgiveness truly is in mm -hmm. a very biblical sense. So can you talk a little bit about that and unpack that for us? Yeah, so so um, that chapter is really kind of kind of has two sides, mm -hmm. right? So it's this it's the brother's side who he has gotten to the point he says my brother would not want me to hold this in, my brother um, would want us to forgive as a family, to to express the the love of Christ to this person who has taken someone away from us that is so dear. Um, and so it's, it was powerful. It brought tears to my eyes to, to, to say for, for, for this young man to say, Hey, we forgive you as a family. As a matter of fact, can I give you a hug? Yeah. Mm. I want to give you a hug Unimagined. and let you know yeah. that we forgive you. The judge is crying. People in, you know, in the courtroom crying. It's emotional. It's emotional peace. And, and, and so, the, you know, the process to get there is a beautiful thing. So then the chapter transitions there and, you go. Yeah. and and it says, okay, now, now that we've gotten that out of the way, mm -hmm. greater forgiveness 
actually applies to the one that's been forgiven. And you call them the forgiven. The forgiven. I love that. The forgiven. Now, okay, we always want to talk about the forgiver, Mm -hmm. but what about the forgiven? That person now has a responsibility to change. And really, and really that chapter is a a reflection of the world that we live in, especially uh, concerning issues of justice. Mm -hmm. You know, after this world has apologized for the atrocities that have taken place, the atrocities of of slavery, the atrocities of Jim Crow, um, the atrocities against um, our brothers and sisters uh, from other backgrounds, the Jewish community, um, now, now that we, we apologize for that stuff, maybe the goal, uh, and I shouldn't even say maybe, the goal is to act like you have been forgiven. Mm-hmm. Meaning now it's time to change behavior. Meaning it's now time to, to break down some of the behavior, behavioral patterns and even laws in this country and policies and perspectives that perpetuate the spirit of what you were forgiven for. Mm. That's a very, very um, powerful subject matter. And I don't think it's one we talk about uh, enough as Christians. Now that you have been forgiven, now what? Right. That's a deep theological um, question uh, about forgiveness because, you know, many of us uh, like to confess that we are forgiven by God. And uh, once mm-hmm. forgiven, uh, it's almost as though God has forgotten all of our sins and yeah. that we've ever done and will ever do. But the reality is just because the process of forgiveness has begun with our repentance, it doesn't mean it has ceased. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by that, there are ongoing consequences to sin. There are Mm -hmm. ongoing consequences to injustices. I heard a preacher when I was growing up say this, we know what God saved you from, now what did God save you for? And I would like to apply that to forgiveness as well. I have been Mm -hmm. forgiven, but what have I been forgiven for? In other words, that moment of forgiveness that is extended by uh, the victim of the offense. Once that is given, and it can only be given by those who are the victims of offense or injustice, once that is given, then there is a lifetime Mm. of working through that forgiveness Mm -hmm. because it doesn't end at that moment because there are so many consequences regarding the sin and injustice that we were involved in. And so forgiveness, while uh, we have summed it up in a one-act play, it's really a multi-act play that continues on through our lifetime. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So, and I thought you that, that on page 36 when he says, it's just as important to be forgiven uh, as it is to forgive— I thought that was just a beautiful way of expressing that. Then you go into what it means to be the forgiven, 
yeah. and the process uh, of, of how we should live our life once we are forgiven. And I was just, I was really challenged by this chapter. Uh, I was really inspired by this chapter because uh, this is a difficult thing for, for many people who have suffered injustices in the world. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Uh, one of my friends who is a, a New Testament scholar, mm-hmm. uh, Mitch, he said that this is something that a lot of people don't really think about, especially concerning books like Romans. Right. He says there is always an underlying assumption in the scripture mm-hmm. that when, for instance, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right. There's an underlying assumption that that individual that did that has now committed themselves to a life of obedience Mm -hmm. and trust and commitment to God. So so we know about Dietrich Bonhoeffer and that cheap grace. Right. Yep. There you go. Right. Right. So so he 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 hit the, the nail on the head because the underlying assumption in the scriptures is is actually costly grace. The grace that cost me something. Yeah. That, that's what it is. And so yeah. to be forgiven costs me something. Mm-hmm. It, it, it means that there has to be a change in me. Well, I thought it was beautifully written. Uh, I can't wait to work through all of the book in its entirety, but uh, it's just outstanding. And again, the book is greater. There's more to your life than this. Well, Corey, it's been a delight to have you as a guest on Good Faith Weekly. Autumn sends you her best. She wished she could be with us today, but she was uh, not able to join us. So I get the privilege of taking Autumn's (laughs) place right now. And at the end of every episode, you know that our our tagline at Good Faith Media is, there is more to tell. So Dr. Corey Jones, pastor, author, father, husband, what is your more to tell? My more to tell. Um, some years ago, I went through a very, very uh, painful and difficult divorce. And, um, and I write about it a little bit in, uh, in the introduction. And um, I also reference some difficult times I had in terms of uh, some things that were done to me uh, publicly uh, that were erroneous, you know, uh, vindictive, whatever word you want to use. And so, um, but when it happened, uh, I heard something in my spirit that said it wasn't for nothing. Mm. It wasn't for nothing. Mm. Mm. Now, that may not be grammatically correct, but that's how it came yeah. to me. It, it wasn't for nothing. Yeah. And, and that inspired me to say that this life event does not define me. This life event will... Uh, be used to strengthen and encourage others to help them make sense of their experiences. And so as I matriculate through school, I'm uh, going into my third year of my PhD in marriage and family therapy. Um, I'm going into my 10th year at Tabernacle. Uh, I'm continuing to work um, to spread shalom, as we say. Uh, You can check out the shalomlife.com, the shalomlife.com, and you'll see uh, what we're doing there. Mm-hmm. And there's more to come. There's more of this story to tell. 
That's beautiful. Well, Corey, thank you so much for joining us this week. If you would like to know more about uh, Corey Jones' ministry, you can visit tabernacle-burlington.org, or as soon as you click off this podcast, you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and pick up Greater There Is More to Your Life Than This by Dr. Corey Jones. And so, Corey, thank you so much for being a guest with us this week on Good Faith Weekly. Mitch, thank you. You're great, man. We appreciate all you do. We appreciate you. And to our listeners, we thank you again for tuning in to Good Faith Weekly, and we'll be back next week with another outstanding guest. Until then, keep living good faith.